<laughs> it was a long process. Four days of hearing myself talk. It wasn't laborious in the sense of boring. It was actually really fun and allowed me to see these stories through fresh eyes. I think I might be proud that I got a few one-shot Erskis. Yes, it's a very common phrase inside of Sam yes, Quentin's yes. Media Lab. Mm-hmm. Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet journalist Farrah Stockman, journalist Mark Oppenheimer, and co-hosts of the This is Ear Hustle podcast, Nigel Poor and Erlon Woods. Listen in as these authors share insights into their writing and audiobook recording processes. Farrah Stockman on the role work plays in our sense of identity and belonging. Mark Oppenheimer on how one of America's renowned Jewish neighborhoods responded in the wake of unspeakable tragedy. And Nigel Poor and Erlon Woods on creating a book about their Peabody and Pulitzer-nominated podcast featuring currently and formerly incarcerated people, this is Ear Hustle. Enjoy. Hi, this is Farrah Stockman, author of American Made, What Happens to People When Work Disappears. I wrote my book because I got really interested in these people I'd met for a newspaper article, and I really wanted to find out what would happen next to them in their lives. I didn't want it to end. I wanted to keep following them. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that would be arduous. <laughs> it was a long process. Four days of hearing myself talk. Oh, I had trouble pronouncing words that I thought I knew well. I would say especially instead of especially. You really have to enunciate for an audiobook. Yeah, I think the biggest trouble we had was with just enunciating regular words. One of the reasons I wanted to do this book myself rather than have an actor read it was because I'd heard these conversations firsthand and I wanted to try to at least not necessarily mimic Shannon, John, and Wally, but at least put the emphasis on the same words that they did when they recounted conversations. So I tried not to imitate them too much, but at least give the spirit of who they were in the quotes, and I hope that came through. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I guess I would cast Edie Falco. I think she just has sort of a, maybe a spirit that's similar to Shannon's spirit, and maybe I would have loved to have her do it. I don't get to listen to audiobooks nearly enough, but if I'm on a long car ride, that's when I do it. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. My journey into the lives of Rexnord factory workers began on election night of 2016 at Wellesley College, Hillary Clinton's alma mater. I'd been dispatched there to gather string for a story marking the historic election of the nation's first female president. I spent the day interviewing students as they cast their ballots, considering it a small coup when I found one who had lived in Hillary's old freshman dorm. In the gift shop, an army of Hillary Clinton action figures in plastic turquoise pantsuits 
stood at attention by the cash register. A coffee mug read, Madam President, deal with it. This is Mark Oppenheimer. When I first heard about the shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue, my first thought was, oh my God, that's in Squirrel Hill. And that's where my dad's from. And that's where his dad and his dad and his dad and their mothers and grandmothers. And it was not a community I knew very well growing up, except as part of family legend. But I knew that it had this old Jewish community that my family was part of. I also am very interested in questions about Jewish continuity and safety and anti-Semitism. How could a Jew not be in today's world? And so the chance to go to this neighborhood and learn more about these people after an event like this just seemed to bring a lot of my interests together. The other big thing is that I've always been really fascinated by the question of what makes neighborhoods work. Why are some neighborhoods happy and functional and seem to have this social capital where people do for each other, you know, borrow the proverbial cup of sugar from their neighbor? And some neighborhoods don't. And I knew by legend and by family anecdote that Squirrel Hill was one of those neighborhoods that really worked. And so I was very interested to see how that kind of neighborliness helped people out in the aftermath of a tragedy like this. I had never recorded an audiobook before. So if I had to describe in one word what it was like to do, I would say it was laborious. And I mean that just in the sense of that's the adjectival form of labor. It's work. It hurts more and takes more energy to talk for many hours in a row than I thought it would. It wasn't laborious in the sense of boring. It was actually really fun and allowed me to see these stories through fresh eyes, stories that I had thought I was sick of. But it also was exhausting. And, you know, I wanted like a big meal after each session of recording. I never knew before recording this audiobook how difficult it was to say United States. <laughs> I just like, I just kept tripping over United States, just all of those S's and the ST cluster. And I do have a slight lateral lisp that has trouble with SH's. But usually STs aren't a problem, and in this case, they were. And I think I'm going to be afraid of United States forevermore. I'm really proud that I was given the chance to tell this story out loud because I do think of this book as a narrative. I think of this book as a collection of stories that all add up to a coherent whole. And usually when I'm asked about the work, by other journalists or by people curious what I'm working on, I end up dealing in abstractions, white supremacy, neighborliness, anti-Semitism, and I don't get to tell the stories of people. But there was something about just recounting who Dan Legger was, you know, what it was like for him to go back into the synagogue where he had been shot, what it was like for Tammy Hepps walking around that neighborhood on the first day. I enjoyed telling the stories. I like telling stories. And for me, writing is a very verbal process. And I like to hear the sounds of things. I read my sentences aloud to myself to see how they sound. So it felt like a real component of this whole work that there's an opportunity for people to hear me telling the stories aloud. As part of my warm-up for doing this audiobook, I listened to a bunch of others. And this is going to sound out of left field, but if I had to choose someone else to narrate my audiobook, I can't get Matthew McConaughey out of my mind. His narration of his own recent best-selling book was awesome. 
And I had tried to read his book. I had taken it out of the library, and I wasn't so into it, even though I love him as an actor. But I loved listening to him read his book. And I think that even though he's not a Jew, he's not a Pittsburgher, he's not a journalist, in all sorts of ways he might sound wrong. And of course, he has that kind of Texas twang. I think he would pull it off. I think his voice is beautifully resonant. And I'm surprised after hearing him read his book that we don't think of him as one of those classic Hollywood voices along with, say, a Morgan Freeman and a James Earl Jones and a Sam Elliott and people like that. He actually has this wonderful resonance and it's evocative and it's beautiful to listen to. And that was really exhilarating for me. So if we're going to have a Texas Gentile do the next version of it, let's bring in McConaughey. Let's bring in Wooderson from Days to Confused. And yeah, I mean, listening to McConaughey read his book, Green Lights, that was the best audio book experience that I've ever had. If I'm allowed a second one, I would love to give a shout out to Jeff Tweedy. And now, listen to a clip from Mark Oppenheimer's audiobook. When did it begin, this hatred of Jews? Some would say that all hatred began in the Garden of Eden, when the serpent brought evil into the world. Or at the Tower of Babel, when God punished humans for their hubris by destroying their common tongue, making them strangers to one another. Others would point to the New Testament, which, as uncomfortable as it is to admit today, does seem to lay the death of Jesus at the feet of treacherous Jews. Or we can blame the early theologians in the centuries after Jesus, who said things like, the Jewish people were driven by their drunkenness and plumpness to the ultimate evil. They kicked about, they failed to accept the yoke of Christ, nor did they pull the plow of his teachings. Although such beasts are unfit for work, they are fit for killing. And this is what happened to the Jews. Hi, this is Erlon Woods. Hey, this is Nigel Poor. Co-creator, co-producer, and co-host of the Ear Hustle podcast. And also author of This is Ear Hustle, Unflinching Stories of Everyday Prison Life. We wrote this book because we did something that everybody kept asking us, how did we do it? So we had to write a book to explain how we actually created the first produced podcast within a prison called Ear Hustle. Yeah. Creating the podcast, as I always say, was seeing the reality become bigger than the dream. And we had to write our experiences, you know, making that podcast work. If I had to describe what it was like to record our audiobook. In one word, that word will be interesting. It's one of his favorites. Listen to that first word when I'm coming out that prison. Interesting. Yep. That's my word of the day now. <laughs> and the reason why it's interesting, because it's a new experience for me. It's the first time maybe that we've been in a studio like this. No. Oh, yeah. No, it's the first time we've been in a studio like this. Yeah. Now I know what to look for on book two. Yeah, so if I had to describe the experience of making this audiobook in one word, I couldn't do it because it was equal measures, anxiety, and joy. Equal. And that's fine. That's life. You can't have one without the other. It was anxious for me because reading out loud is not my best friend. And it was joyous because I was getting to read out loud something I was really proud of writing with Erlon. 
I realize I had trouble pronouncing a lot of stuff because I'm dyslexic. So basically every page was a minefield of potential mess ups from easy words like something to, I don't know, words that are much more complex. Any word can stump me. So yeah, I mispronounced a ton of stuff and I worried about it constantly. With an answer like that, there's no need for me to even answer that. <laughs> I think I might be proud that I got a few one-shot erskies. Can you describe what a one-shot erski is? <laughs> That's very ear hustle specific. In the, in the words of Tommy Shakur Ross, you did it one time. You didn't have to repeat what you just said. Yes, it's a very common phrase inside of Sam yes, Quentin's yes. Media Lab. Mm-hmm. What I'm most proud of is that I got to do something I've always wanted to do with my partner, Erlon. I wouldn't have wanted to do this by myself. So I'm really proud that we could do it together and we could stand together like we always do with every project. And I'm really excited for listeners to hear how our experiences working together translated into a book and how that book got translated back to audio, which is our first way of communicating with people. My dream narrator would be John Ronson. And I know that's weird because it's a man, but I love his voice. And I think when he is talking, he talks in the way I think. I don't know. He just has this really quirky cadence. I love how he sees things. And I could totally see him reading my part. My dream narrator probably would have been like Luther Vandross. (laughs) (laughs) I really listen to audiobooks that I wouldn't read. And so a lot of my audiobook listening, I consider somewhat guilty pleasures. So I love listening to James Lee Burke, Dave Robichaux, detective novels. Mm. And so anything, anything written by him, I will listen to. I go back and forth to L.A., to the Bay, L.A. to the Bay. You know, that's where I listen to audiobooks and podcasts. So mine would be Just Mercy. Mm. And that was a long... Is our audiobook that long? Damn. And now, please listen to a clip from our audiobook. When the bus pulled into the gates at San Quentin, it looked like a college campus. I'd done time in a few prisons at that stage, but this place looked totally different. I could see guys playing tennis, jogging, and just chilling on the yard. I saw a number of geese plucking away at the grass on the baseball field. There was also a group of guys standing in front of R&R trying to see if they knew somebody getting off the bus. When they took the chains off of me and stripped me out, taking the paper clothes, the first person I ran into was my ex-celly, Cece, whose full name is Cleveland O'Neill Campbell. I used to tease him by saying his mom gave him the last names of her three exes. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind-the-mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash next listen.